0: The voice of reason, the voice of alarm, the voice of stats, the voice of scouts, the voice of Kool-Aid, the voice of dismay, the voice of Dave-O. Goodness, the good news about this weekend, it's over. The bad news, the Royals feel this one, a little dent, a little chink in the armor as KC gets swept and completely dominated by Cleveland, losing 7-0 to the Tribe on Sunday, and for the weekend, a combined score of 25-6 to in this four-game series, as is Devo. Glad you're here on this Sunday late afternoon on another edition of your Dish on Clubhouse Conversation, where we're going to spend as little amount of time as possible on this game in this series, because I just want to forget it. His littlest time possible on this and then look ahead to the Baltimore series coming up, which obviously is a very important series for the Royals. But let's start with our player of the game today. And it was tough today. This is the kind of day where in the past I would choose a long reliever as your player of the game. But there wasn't really a relief pitcher that was highly effective today. We know there wasn't any offense that was effective. We're starting pitching. We'll go with Alcides Escobar. Here's what earns Eski the player of the game. His leadoff double in the ninth inning. One for four with a double. That's the most impressive offensive day on this team. That's how bad the Royals were today against Corey Kluber and McAllister and company. Alcides Escobar, a leadoff double in the ninth, earns him player of the game. That's it. One for four with a double. Royals had three hits in this game, two of which were in the first inning and a couple of hits from Merrifield, Hosmer, before the Salvador Perez double play ball, took him out of that first inning. And who would have thought at the time that would really be it for the Royals? Yeah, three hits overall. Just two walks. Royals with five base runners. One extra base hit, that ninth inning double from Eske. Kansas City, 11 strikeouts, two walks today. I don't think we have to go over the offense too much more today. They were bad. Just, I mean, putrid at bat, swinging out of the zone. And yes, I do tip my cap to Corey Kluber, He's a former Cy Young winner, not the pitcher he was a couple of years ago. Still, obviously, a very good Major League starting pitcher who's num- who's better than his numbers indicate. So I'm not going to say Corey Kluber didn't have something to do with the Royals sleepwalking offensively through this game. and. Heck, pretty much the whole weekend. But, I mean, you know, six innings, a shutout ball, six Ks, two walks, two hits on 82 pitches. And had that three-plus-hour rain delay not come, you got to figure Kluber goes through eight. He's 82 pitches after six. got to figure he goes 115, probably goes two more innings for Cleveland. Outside chance he even finishes this one with a shutout. So, yeah, just not a good day for the Royals. Not a good day for Chris Young. Very bad in the fifth inning and thus had a very bad day. Going into that inning wasn't too bad. But three solo home runs later in the fifth inning, that was that. Four and two-thirds for Young. Gives up five runs, six hits, five Ks. I like that he's missing bats. Strikeout per inning is very impressive this year, but the four home runs today, obviously, negate any of that. Four home runs. Mike Napoli goes yard in the fourth with a wind-aided home run. Still, it's a home run. Tyler McQuinn, a.k.a. Uh, Babe Ruth in this series. What's this? What, three jacks in this series? <laughs> Goes yard again in the fifth. Carlos Santana in the fifth. And Francisco Lindor ends Young's day in the fifth going yard as well. And I've had some tweets at Royals Clubhouse. What does the future hold for Chris Young? What do you think, Devo, about what the Royals should do with him going forward? Also the same kind of tweets about Kendrys Morales. Let's start with Young. Well, I'm still baffled the Royals sent Dylan G down in the first place. I really am. I thought it was more likely that Young went to the bullpen for the time being when it came out the DL. And if not, I thought it was more likely Danny Duffy would go back to the bullpen And then eventually Mike Miner would slide into Dylan G's spot at that time if that happened. That's what I thought. So I was, first of all, to go back, I'm surprised that Young's back in the rotation this quick. With that said, you can't pull him out of the rotation after just one outing like this. So to me, he gets two more starts. If he's this bad in one of them and mediocre in the other, you make the move. You you cannot continue to run this guy out there every five days. And the same goes with Kendris Morales. The Royals have, that's the other thing about starting pitching. The Royals don't have a lot of options right now. With Mike Miner having... A setback and having to start over the rehab clock. Who knows if and when he'll be available. Kyle Zimmer, not thinking we'll see him this summer. He's back in the DL today with shoulder issues, if you haven't heard that. Miguel Almonte's been getting lit up like a Christmas tree all year. I mean, you've got some really nice arms down there. I keep talking about them. Your Alec Mills, your Matt Stroms, your Brooks Pounders, your Jonathan Jacek, on and on and on. There's some great arms down there. I don't know that any of these guys are quite ready, though, to come up in the Royals rotation. So for the time being... There aren't a ton of options in the Royals rotation with no Mike Miner, no Kyle Zimmer, no Almonte. There's, there's not a lot of guys you really feel like you could bring up right now and have market improvements. And some of these guys would take 40-man roster moves that I mentioned a second ago to get up here as well. Not all of them, but a couple of them. So for at least a couple more outings, Chris Young's in there. I think Dylan G probably would be the next option coming back in the rotation. And maybe if Young struggles, one more outing, they go to Dylan G. right after that. I'm not quite sure. I I didn't think the Royals should have moved him out in the first place. I thought he was serviceable out of the rotation and had finally had his pitch count built up, had no more reins on him. So I was surprised about that. So, I mean, he would be the next option. But again, that's not a market improvement over Young. But you would think it probably is an improvement, at least the way Young's pitched today and throughout the 2016 campaign. Hopefully he feels strong. There there were some signs of him, I thought, early on in this one looking better and stronger than we'd seen in the past, you know, the past being earlier this year, and perhaps fatigue came in there, but it, with that said again, if he wasn't ready to throw at least 65-70 pitches, you would have liked to have seen the Royals put him on a rehab assignment, let him build back up with Dylan G being at 100 pitches and being serviceable you know, he wasn't good his last outing and what, two or three, two or three last outings he wasn't good, to be fair, but it just doesn't make sense With the bullpen the way it is and with G built up, if Young really does get tired by 60 or 65, why not send him on a couple of minor league rehab starts before you activated him? Just my two cents on that. So do I think Young's back in the rotation? The long, you know, the very long answer? Yes, for the time being. But one or two more bad starts, he'll probably be back in the bullpen. Now, Kendris Morales, for sure, through the month of June. He deserves at least the month of June. I don't know what's going on. I'm still not overly worried about Kendris because it just looks like he's going to hit the ball hard anytime he comes up. And I know I is... Don't necessarily tell the whole story results and stats <laughs> tell a lot more than, you know, a gut feeling of, of him hitting the ball hard. And he has had some bad luck throughout this year. I don't think anybody who watches the games every day can disagree about that. He's lost five to six home runs on the Kauffman Stadium warning tracks this year. Had a number of balls right at people. With that said, though, if he can't learn to hit the ball the opposite way with this ridiculous shift and he's going to keep hitting the ball in the ground. He's either got to completely adjust his approach, which doesn't seem likely for a 33-year-old who's had a lot of success, or he needs to start hitting from the right side and become lose the switch hitting thing, which also doesn't seem real highly likely. Contract year, essentially, for him, so we'll see what happens. I do think, though, he's here through at least June. The Royals, to get what they need to be, probably Nick Hendry's to become the player he was, maybe not totally last year, but close to it, especially with Moose not being here the rest of the season. And again, there aren't a whole bunch of options right now at DH. Belmino, Fuenmayer has not hit the ball well this year. Look at the stats down there. The power is not there. Eibner's hurt. Gordon's hurt. O'Hearn needs more at-bats. It's still done at Double A. I mean, there's, there's some guys that are probably a year away that are very good options at DH, but I don't know this moment if there's anybody there, and it's obviously too early probably to make a trade, although the White Sox went out and got James Shields. So you never know. But probably the Royals need to get to July before they start looking at making moves. All right, the Royals now 30 and 26, a game and a half out. Cleveland 31 and 24, obviously a game and a half up. Let's look at the Baltimore series here. A series that I like the Royals a lot in game one, and I find games two and three to be toss ups. Game two, I see being a super high scoring game. So if you're in Vegas on Tuesday and the over unders are nine and a half or below, pound the overs. <laughs> They'll be scoring 10 runs or more coming up on Tuesday, I'm fairly certain. But first things first, Monday. Danny Duffy and Mike Wright. Duffy 1-0 with a 3-4-4. Mike Wright 2-3 with a 5-8-8. I like Duffy in this matchup. He comes off a of six innings, three-run ball against the Rays, against the O's. Machado is 0 for 8 lifetime. Davis just one for eight. Jones just two for thirteen. Weeders two for five. That's the key at bats. Against Danny Duffy, I watch a lot of the O's. They do struggle some against left pitching and are apt to strike out quite a bit. Top of the order there, you'll probably see Joey Ricard in there in Game 1, the real 5 pick over Kim, who they have been hitting too recently. I like Duffy in this. Only hitters to really watch are Machado and Jones against him. I think it's a good matchup for Danny Duffy. Mike Wright has been bad this year. Spent part of recent days in AAA with Norfolk. The Tide down there. His last start to Major League level, about a week ago, it gets Boston, two and two thirds, six runs on seven hits. Low Kane two for six, with two home runs against Wright. If you're wondering for key bats for the Royals, Haas, two for four with the home run. Those are the main guys who have had success in the limited amount of the bats the Royals have seen him. I like KC in Game 1. Game 2, like I said, pound the overs on Tuesday, man. Ventura, 4-8-2 ERA, 4-3 record. Jimenez, 2-6 a 6-5-9. Yes, that Ubaldo Jimenez, former Rocky Stud and Cleveland Indians pitcher that Baltimore way overpaid for. Both pitchers have been bad this year. Ventura's been bad, but has been awful. Ventura did face Baltimore back on April 24th in KC. That was the day before the Royals began that 5-13 horrible stretch of baseball. That was that game they won before they went 0 for on the road trip that Sunday afternoon. Yeah, that day. Seven innings, one run on three hits for Ventura that day. And he comes off of six innings, one run on seven hits against Cleveland his last start. Now, Jimenez... Danny Deffy can relate to this. Took a no-hitter into the fifth inning his last time against Boston before giving up five runs on six over six hits overall in the five plus innings for Jimenez. The Royals should be able to hit him, but I do believe Baltimore will be able to hit Ventura as well. It's, it's not a good matchup for Ventura. Not, not a good matchup for either pitcher. I like a lot of runs being scored on Tuesday in a coin flip game. So like KC a lot game one, coin flip game two, and then game three is also a coin flip. KC's got to find a way to split these middle two games to get two out of three. It's Edinson, Edinson Volquez, 5-5, five and five, a 4 3 against Chris Tillman, 7-1, and one, a 3-3-3. We'll talk more about the hitters, how they've done against these guys when we get closer to Wednesday. A real quick overview Volquez, six and a third, five runs on seven hits against Cleveland. Tillman, five and two thirds, five runs on eight hits against the Yankees, his last time out. So, like I said, in summary, I like the Royals a lot in game one, like offense a lot in game two. Game three is more of a five to four, four to three type of game, both of those two finales being toss up games in my mind. So we'll talk to you again coming up tomorrow night on Clubhouse Conversation, hopefully after a Royals win and hopefully after the ball club has played a lot better than they did over the weekend. Have a great rest of your Sunday night, and go Royals!